Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome to another exciting podcast here for DraftSite.com. No fooling either. Even though it is April 1st, we guarantee that all the information we'll be giving you will be factual and our true opinions. No April Fool's jokes here. I am DJ Boyer, and as always, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Buddy Andrade here. Buddy, how are things going in your neck of the woods? Things are going good. I like the uh, sun still being out at this time. It's uh, it's a good feeling. Some of these we've recorded in uh, dark 5 o'clock hours, and it's nice to have a <laughs> sunny 6 o'clock hour where we're recording. Yeah, it's a very nice looking outside. The, the temperature leaves a little bit to be desired, but hey, uh, I've even got some uh, baseball on in the background while I'm doing this, so it's good. Uh, you know, you've got uh, March Madness going on. We're down to our final four. Baseball draft is around the corner. That To me, this is one of the most exciting uh, times of the year when it comes to sports. Kentucky Derby right around the corner. Um, got the Masters. There's just all kind of, This is just a great time of year. Yeah, the next five weeks is really good. I was—it's unbelievable you say that because I was sitting in my car today thinking, it's April first. We got baseball, NCAA tournament, NFL draft, NHL and NBA playoffs, the Masters, um, and I have a new appreciation for the Kentucky Derby after going to Churchill Downs in November. There you go. First world problems, I guess you can say. So it's—it's good being American in times like this. Yes, it is. So. First and foremost, you know, we're at 24 days to go, uh, just three, three and a half weeks until draft day. So since the last time we've had a, a podcast, one, you attended your first pro day. Um, yep. Was it what you expected? Uh, some of the highlights, things that you uh, maybe liked or maybe found uh, were a little different than what you expected? What, what What's kind of the highlight or the takeaway from a pro day? Uh the highlight is that Bryant runs a top-notch, top-class uh, program. I was very impressed. Um, I was greeted outside the door, welcomed, introduced to everybody, uh, just full access right right up where everything was going on. And uh, they got one uh, prospect who was there who was, uh, looks like a draft pick. And he's on our site, uh, Thomas Costigan, a linebacker out of Bryant, who was a big-time FCS player this year, uh, including uh, like a first-team All-American type player. So that was a lot of fun, and I got to sit down and talk to him for 20 minutes. I'm not going to give away all his secrets, but uh, he's got teams sniffing around, and it looks like he's probably going to get his chance. So it, this is what I do this for, is the opportunity to uh, – find the gems and uh, meet people and get to be myself and talk football. And it was just a good man-to-man conversation about a lot of things and a very enjoyable experience at Bryant last Thursday. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we're kind of going to jump on in here. You know, we're up to mock draft 22.0 and there's probably going to be about uh, five, maybe six more reiterations of this. We're already working on the next uh, the next version of that mock, which will probably be up in the next couple of days. But I just say right now, NFL draft to you right now, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Maybe the big story as we're three weeks out, what's the first thing you think about? Uh, what are the Raiders going to do with these three picks? And how? Actually, I should say I'm going to say four out of 35. What are they going to do? Are they going to move around the board? Are they going to move up? Are they going to move down? Are they just going to draft players and fill holes? Because they've had a very active offseason. So when the Raiders are good, the NFL is a more interesting place. That's a very good assessment. And, of course, they do have those uh, four picks in the top 35. First thing that I think about, and, you know, everyone knows – you need a top-notch quarterback or at least a very capable quarterback to win at the NFL level. It's no secret. It's no, I'm not breaking some magic formula that people out there are not going to know about. But at the same time, there's so many other 
positions on the football field that on draft day it gets overlooked, and I'm just going to go right about it. it. It pisses me off. It really does. And this year, I'm wondering how much are we going to overvalue this quarterback position. It's a, it's a weaker class, but it's very weak when you compare it to the strengths, which I feel, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, where the defensive line is just loaded. Uh, you've got uh, some positions like wide receiver maybe don't have the top-notch or talent or someone that jumps out at you like this person's going to be the next big thing but it's just a very deep position of uh, quarterbacks just down the charts. And I'm just wondering, there's still probably going to be a lot of posturing people that are going to be looking for quarterbacks that can probably stay put or take them later that are just going to, and it's the same teams. We see it over and over. Uh, they're just going to make a boneheaded deal. When you look three, four years down the road, you're like, what were they thinking? And to me, I'm thinking if there's ever a year for them to say, Let's reevaluate this and let's stop the madness. Let's do something different. This is the year. This is the year because to me, this is just an overvalued quarterback class. I agree. I feel I feel as if some of these guys are being pushed upon us. Where they're we're, we're hearing so and so throws a good fifteen yard ball. Yeah, but I, you know, all right, fine. I'm I'm talking about Drew Locke. I feel like he's being pushed down my throat as this gunslinger quarterback. When at the senior bowl, I saw him throw two deep passes, and both of them landed 15 yards out of bounds. I don't need Drew Locke pushed upon me. I don't need Dwayne Haskins pushed upon me. I need to see these guys go where they're supposed to go, and I need to see these talented defensive linemen get their due and get drafted and make the game more interesting. Oh, there you go. You're Speaking the truth right now. Speaking the truth, my friend. Those, to me, are the biggest kind of stories right now. But right now, I think that's a kind of a good segue. Let's go into some of those positions of strength as we kind of look around the field. Maybe I'll give you maybe my three areas maybe that I found the most intriguing and maybe three areas where I feel are going to be a little overvalued. And number one, I just got to say the defensive line because the ends and the tackles are just – I think maybe the tackles are – you. There's maybe a little more there, but there's just so many ends as well. The defensive line is just stacked. Uh, I really feel, again, as I've touched on the wide receiver position, I think it's devoid of the maybe two, three just knockout guys that we think are going to be can't-miss prospects. I think everyone at the top of the board has a question or two, but, boy, is it deep. I, I think the the difference between the number three prospect and the number 15 prospect in this wide receiver class is minuscule. I think there's a lot of people that can play. And I think uh, rounds two to four, you're really, really going to see some good talent there. Uh, if I had to say maybe a third uh, area, I would probably have to say the cornerbacks. Cause again, and it's a lot like the wide receivers. I think that there's some, some good talent here, but there's a lot of question marks. And I think, it's very important to me because I think this is where your scouting staff, if you're an NFL team, is really going to make their money because I can't remember a cornerback class in maybe the last 10 years that's been as jumbled as this one. There's, uh, It seems like, depending on who you talk to, that just team needs and what they, what they feel is just all over the board. There's not really that consensus feeling. Uh, and it's really going to come down to uh, scouting departments and not only who they think is best, but who's going to best fit your team. I think cornerbacks is really going to be a, a position where uh, it, it's really going to be kind of a make or break when you go back and look at this draft in a few years and how the team that you cheer for actually performed. Uh, thoughts maybe, maybe some positions uh, that, that kind of jump out at you and maybe why. No, those I'd agree with those three. Um, I'm interested in the offensive line class. I think there's guys who are have some position versatility, and I think that's big for game day 46-man rosters. Guys like Reisner, who could be like a late first, second-round pick because he plays four positions, or Elton Jenkins, who's, you know, out of – 
Mississippi State who plays four positions in college. Guys like that, just you got to find versatility sometimes in your lineup and in that 46-man roster on uh, on game day. And the other position is linebacker that I have a lot of interest in because I think there's a lot of uh, a variety of skill sets. And you you have your early down guys and now your coverage guys with sub packages. So it's interesting to see where teams go with those two positions also. But, uh, no, I agree with you on the wide receiver, second to fourth round. I think it's system fit. I think it's guys coming in, having their personal meetings with teams, working on the blackboard, and teams saying, that guy fits what we do. I think you're so accurate with that. All right, and I've I've already kind of made my feelings felt about the quarterback class. I just think it's just so overhyped. Another overhyped position now, and I don't really want to – I kind of want to watch what I say. I don't want to say overhyped because it's a position that I love. It's always – I mean, for years I said it was just so underutilized, but I'm going to say tight end just because there's some very good prospects at the top, but at the same time is – I don't know if we really got the complete guy there, and I think the drop-off, how I've talked about how the wide receivers, I feel like between number three and 15, again, I I stated that I I believe it's very minuscule. I think the opposite of the tight end class. There's some good people here. There's some people that you got to work on, but there's a definite drop-off in the the tight end class. So if there's a position that I think gets overvalued, it might be here. Because I think maybe some teams are going to make some reaches or take some people a little earlier. And it's not, I think it might be more because of not that we think this is the guy that's going to fit our system. It's going to be the, oh crap, once we get behind uh, six, seven, eight guys here, the drop off is very, very noticeable. And we want to make sure that we have a guy that kind of is, that is in that top tier. So we're going to overreach for someone. I, I've always been a proponent of the tight end position. It kind of pains me to make state what I just stated, but the drop off this year, it's big. And I think because of that, you're going to see some, some players go a little too early. No, I agree with you. And, and to me, there's three types of tight ends. There's the George Kittle in line can do a little bit of everything tight end. There's the Zach Ertz, better receiver than blocker can spread out mismatch type guy. And then the third guy is the Lee Smith bounces around the league for 10 to 12 years on different teams, a blocking tight end, a true number two tight end who isn't going to give you a lot in the passing game. And it's a matter of figuring out what these guys are, putting them in those roles and not trying to make Lee Smith Zach Ertz, if you can understand what I'm saying there, the Lee Smith prospect play the Zach Ertz role. That's where I think teams are going to have trouble in this draft. I gotcha. And it's, it's just a, a position that I, that I feel more teams really, really need to take advantage of, or it just seems like, I don't know. Some teams just really, I don't feel value the tight end as a true skill position. And I really think it's maybe the position in the last 10 years. That's I think maybe undergone the biggest transformation at the NFL level. You have definite skill players there um, that are much more athletic than we, than we saw 10, 15, 20 years ago. And uh, some teams just seem to be a little bit behind the, the curve. I mean, I think they realize it, but at the same time, they just don't put the emphasis on it that they should. So uh, that's going to be a very interesting kind of uh, pick to me. Uh, at the top of the board, anything that you're hearing as far as, Maybe some movers and shakers, maybe some risers, anyone that's falling. What's kind of the latest on the Buddy rumor mill? Well, I was curious about uh, the Raiders taking Kyler Murray out and uh, whining and dining and today putting him on the blackboard and having him throw. Uh, I'm curious if they have something set up with Arizona to move up. Now, does Arizona say we're in love with him? It's going to take all three of those first-round picks and swoop in and steal from the Raiders pretty much, or maybe they already have Josh Rosen in the back pocket and they think things can work with Josh Rosen. So it's a curious chess match between those two teams uh, with that player. Um, 
just here number four with the Raiders. If they if Murray is gone, one. I've seen Sweat. I've seen Burns. I've seen Quinn and Williams. Uh, good mixture of players up there. Uh, to me, if your mock draft hit home with me, I read it. I saw Brian Burns go in the second round. If the Raiders take Brian Burns at number four, they lost the draft. They lost the draft right there. Uh, that's just a strong field. Uh, the sh- strong feeling I have: a guy should not be a liability on first first down, and be a top four pick. You you just can't do that. The Jaguars did it with Dante Fowler, and they eventually learned that they could only play him on third down. So just take the lesson. It is what the player is. Don't try creating more of the guy. He is what he is. He's a second round talent. Yeah, I think the only thing I disagree with in that statement. Is I don't even know if he's second round talent. That's just me. <laughs> um, I, I think he's tremendously overvalued. I think maybe I mean he did show, and again it's just drills that uh, just putting on the weight that he was able to kind of keep those speed numbers. But again, it's one thing to do it on tape, and it's another to just do it for a couple of drills and at a combine. So it's um, not as enamored. So uh, another thing that I. I just another player that I think makes sense there that I don't think gets enough pub would be Devin White. I just, because uh, again, maybe linebackers, you can take them a, a little bit, maybe a little bit later, but at the same time, you've got that impact linebacker. I, I just feel that of players that I think are top 10 overall prospects in this draft, I just think that he gets slept on the most just because we talk so much about the defensive linemen, and rightfully so, because there are just so many great defensive linemen in this draft. And the quarterbacks and just kind of the, the noise that's kind of made with them, some of the offensive linemen, that I, I think just because of it, I think White gets overlooked. And I really think, again, we, we go back and we look at this draft in three to four years, he could be the guy that we say goes, and we're like, wow, I, man, I mean, he still was a, a top a pick in the top half of the draft, but boy, a team like two or three spots earlier, if they would have taken him, maybe their fortunes could have really changed. And I just think that he's, we just sleep on him a little too much. No, I agree. I think he's a lot of a given. I think you look at him and you can kind of, it doesn't take much to project what he's going to be. And I do think people sleep on that skill set. Um, as far as great, I have him above Roquan Smith from last year, who went eighth overall. Um, but with the Raiders, I'm not sure if they will draft him just because of the two signings they had at linebacker, unless they want to play him perfect and, uh, Marshall together, which is a talented group. And that would make sense. And he'd have two guys who have played inside to learn from, uh, to get nurtured. But, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's one of those guys in this draft who's pretty much a given. And I think we knew that since last April coming into this April that he was a guy to watch and he was a guy that teams were going to game plan for in the SEC. And one thing, Vontez perfect. Is, is there a more Raider pick than if, if, if Gruden's trying to bring a little bit of that nastiness and that edge back? I mean, well, that seems like the perfect signing. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to find a, a player. I think across the league, that's more, I'd say universally hated or just not liked by a, a opposing players, but, as troubling as his antics are, it's a lot of what we saw with Indomitian too, and what what went on with him early in his career, and some of the unfortunate kind of off field or when the play's over kind of incidents. He's on your team; you love him. So I think that's a that's a definite Raider signing right there. Yes, it is, and uh, they need to be on hard knocks. That's all I know. <laughs> All right, so I, I think that we're agreeing that uh, you were one of the first people. You were you were on the train a lot faster than I was on the the Kyler Murray going number one. Uh, I'm still not as much of a fan of it, but again, I'm not the Cardinals. I think there's definitely something to this. Where do you, uh, Josh Rosen? If you were to map out the perfect place for him to go right now, where would it be? The New York Giants. 
and I, I think that would be a bad mix. But I, I, I'm saying it as far as where I think he's going to end up. I think that would be the worst place for him. I think his, he's kind of soft. I think he needs a smaller media market. A uh, place like Cincinnati would probably be a much better fit. But I have a feeling he's going to end up with the Giants for a second-round pick. Wow. Uh, I think with what we've seen in the past and some of the deals and, and things that have happened, I think D.C. is very much in play. I think Washington, maybe someone in that division, uh, an owner and a team that has made uh, some questionable decisions at quarterbacks or brought someone in. I still think there's something to Josh Rosen, but he's got to be in the right situation. Not sure that Washington would be the best. I think the cast around him leaves a lot to be desired. And there, you've it's a little bit of a smaller market, but you still, I mean, a lot of eyes are on you. It's, it's definitely a football town. But the Heritage just, team, too. Yeah, it, it, it's just kind of weird just because you get, have such a melting pot and, and living close to there and in that area for about 15 years, obviously being, you know, the nation's capital and just all the diversity there, it is a little hard sometimes to get that fan base going and, it's an interesting place to live, but as far as getting a real good backing and sporting teams and the fact that the Redskins have kind of been uh, out, out of it for a while, uh, the, the popularity's waned a little bit. There's still kind of a, a diehard base there, but that base has kind of gotten a, a little less and less and less. So not sure it would be the right fit, but I, I think if anyone kind of makes a play for him, I could definitely see him winding up in D.C. and being another – uh, Daniel Snyder kind of intervening, intervening and thinking that this is another genius kind of move he's made that doesn't quite pan out. No, I, I can see that aspect of it too. I just think of a, yeah, the small market team too. I just, I, I think it'd be too bright for him in Washington, D.C. I think Arizona's a nice fit with their three beat reporters and two news stations. I think that's perfect for him. All right, well, well, we'll look at the top of the draft a little bit and maybe things that have changed or what, what you think, maybe not so much. Oh, let's, we're, we're kind of doing this on the, on the fly. They're a little bit different, but maybe what you think the pick will be and then what do you think the best pick would be? Not well, We'll do one, but what do we think is going to happen? And then, you know, maybe what, what is the best possible scenario? Like, obviously, at one, I, I'm thinking that's Kyler Murray. But if I were to think what's the best and just possible scenario and what just worked, you know, I'm going to say Quinn and Williams. Just, I, don't, I don't know if he's the second best person in this draft, but he seems to be the player that they need. They lost Kalias Campbell. Uh, they've got Chandler Jones there, and I think they need someone with him along that line. And it just, in a division where there's, just a lot of glitz and glamour going on there with, with what we've seen the Rams do. And, and, you know, the focal point of their defense last year was bringing in Sue and obviously signing Aaron Donald to that huge contract. I think maybe Arizona can do something that's similar because just keeping that defense on the field was, was just a problem last year, just not generating a consistent pass rush. And that defense was, they were just wiped out. I think Quinn and Williams would be the, the perfect pick because you can, Something like like you talked about with the offensive line, versatility. You can move him around. Uh, is he a true defensive end, a true defensive tackle? He can play just about anywhere. Uh, what would be your feelings on the Cardinals? No, I totally agree with you, and I was going to go Quinn and Williams if you didn't. Um, yeah, just he's a three-down player and an impact player and a guy who's going to commit against the run and commit double teams. And Yeah, no, that's a perfect spot for him. And uh, it gets Chandler Jones more of one-on-one with those long arms against left tackles. Well, I'll give you number two there. We've got the San Francisco 49ers. What do you think will happen? And what do you think is best best for them? Uh, what do I think is going to happen? They're going to draft uh, Bosa and try to get some pass rush along this line. And I, I think – what would be the best fit is Josh Allen. I think they could use help at that second level, a guy who can do a little bit more. 
can rush the passer, can cover, can do a bunch of things. But I think uh, Nick Bosa is going to win out and uh, be in San Francisco. Yeah, I think that's going to be Bosa, too. I think he's probably the best pick there. Josh Allen's going to make any team better. But you, you think it's it's been a lot of the bigger athletes along that line. I think get someone a, maybe a little bit smaller, uh, even though he's, he's a pretty good size for a defensive end. They've, got, they've had a lot of ends there, like DeForest Buckner, who's kind of that tweener end slash defensive tackle at the college level. So, uh, obviously, I think getting some wide receiver help, you're going to get Jimmy G back, but it's way too early for that. they got to look. I think they got to look in later rounds for wide receivers and corners. So at three, we're, we'll, we'll just trade on and off here. Jets, I think that's where Josh Allen goes, and I think the, they, they really they really need to get after the quarterback. I, I think that the perfect scenario for the Jets uh, is to stay home at three and take Josh Allen. There's been a lot of moving up uh, with, with them in the last few years, sometimes for the best, sometimes not for the best. But it always seems to cost them that big defensive rushing presence that they need. I think this is the year they just need to stay put. They just need to get an impact player on defense at three, and Allen's probably it. Nope, that that is the perfect spot for him. He fills in where Barr was signed before reneging and going back to Minnesota. Uh, that three, four outside linebacker, it's a perfect position for him because he can drop and he can rush. So, uh, yeah, no, that is the right fit. Well, I'm giving you the Raiders at four. Uh, I'm thinking you're not going to say Brian Burns here, just a hunch. So I'll, uh, yeah, no, no, no. No, no Brian Burns here. Um, it's a tough spot. This is uh, – I'm going to go Montez Sweat here. I had him at seven a little while ago. I think he's still moving up the boards. Long arms can contain the edge. Played in the SEC. Can get to the quarterback. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit there as their uh, new right defensive end uh, coming in from the blind side of their divisional quarterbacks. Yeah, and and I'm going to agree with you here. I'm going to go. I think that Montez is the guy. As much as I I really like White here, I think this might be a little bit more of the, okay, uh, we really need that pass rushing presence as well, so I'm going to get after it. We need a kind of a direct replacement for – what we gave up for, for Mac last year. So there might be a little pressure there to, to kind of see this as maybe a one-for-one. One. And look, we're able to still get a nice young pass rusher. And look at all the picks and shiny new things that we've, uh, we've acquired since then. So I think maybe that's the, the spot because of it. The Buccaneers at five. Now, this is a team that I don't think we talk about enough. Bruce Arians, is he actually going to – be sticking with Jameis Winston. It's the last year of his deal. Um, right now, I just think that – I think they have to go an offensive tackle. I just think maybe there's some other spots they need more. But I think at this point, it's got to be an offensive lineman because those other spots don't warrant a top five pick. And I don't want people to think, wow, they just gave a ton of money to Donovan Smith. I don't understand the contract. I think that is – maybe the worst contract I've seen so far, just because mm-hmm. as far as efficiency, is he a good player? Yeah. Is he a great player that deserves 15, 16 million a year? Uh, no. Uh, I, uh, all the power to him signing that contract. I still think they really need a stud offensive lineman along that line. I'm not as sold on Jawan Taylor. I maybe, uh, I, I would say Jonah Williams because of that. I think maybe they go Taylor there get more of the Florida product, but I think Williams is the best fit. What do you feel about the Bucks? I think this is where Devin White's going to end up. Ooh. I think they're going to go for that inside linebacker and uh, just the guy to make plays. But they paid a lot of money for that front four, so they need a guy to roam around and eat, and I think Devin White is that guy. Good aspect. I like that. And they did give up a lot. I I don't get the Donovan Smith. I just don't. I don't know what they're thinking there. Uh, Yeah, no, when you pay Marpet already. Marpet, Marpet, I think, is a good player. Donovan Smith, I'm not as high on. Yeah, well, we've got those Giants there. What are you thinking about uh, the New Yorkers? Well, they dropped Olivier Vernon, traded off to the Browns. 
that ended up being one big happy trade with Odell Beckham Jr. and Vernon and everything going around. Um, I think they got to fill that defensive end position. And I'm going with a guy who slid a little bit, but I, I, I just see him as a giant. He just fits what they do. I'm, I'm going Clellan Farrell here. I'm still a big Clellan Farrell guy. And I think he's a guy who competes against both the pass and the run, and he would be a good fit in New York. Uh, who are they going to pick, though? Uh, they're going to pick a quarterback, and they're going to go Dwayne Haskins here. Agree. I think it's Haskins. Um, I think maybe he's – I don't know. I mean, I I think that the Giants should have a quarterback at some point. It's just hard for me to get excited for anyone at number six. That's the problem. I mean, ah. Uh, if I'm the Giants, I, I'm really looking to trade back. I, I just don't think staying put and taking Haskins at six is any better than trading back and getting Haskins a little bit later or someone else. But, again, the quarterback market's just going to be so overinflated, they probably mm-hmm. have to stay there at six and take him. Uh, so I don't think that's best, but I think that's probably the best move because of what other people are going to do at the quarterback position. As far as the best fit, Boy, you can't really argue Farrell here. I, I would just have to say White because, in my thinking, he wasn't off the board yet. And I think White, uh, they, they've really been kind of more devoid there. You put him with Ogletree, who they got, and I think you've really got the the makings of something really good there uh, with the Giants at the linebacking position. Nope, that's a good call. That's a great call. All right, so I guess this is uh, moving us into uh, where we're still in the top ten at number seven. So let's see, we had the we have the Lions at eight. Oh gosh, I don't have it in front of me. That's right, Jackson. <sighs> Again, it, this is just such a defensive line draft. Uh, you're going to have to go Jackson but here. I, I think they probably go Rashawn Gary because they they feel that this is a. a a person that can, you know, you can play at multiple spots. Maybe he is more of the uh, Calais Campbell kind of 2.0. What do I think? I mean, I, I think still some people are sleeping a little too much on Ed Oliver. I think he would he would fit in great here. I, that's personally where I would go. I, I think they're looking at that spot, but at a different player. What do you feel about Jacksonville? No, I like both the guys you said. i if who I want them to draft here, I want them to draft Noah Fant. Oh, going wow. way off the board here, and I'm thinking that's Nick Foles' Zach Ertz right there. Bring him in. They have that system with DiFilippo. Run, run Fant as the Ertz guy, and uh, really shake things up. What do I think they're going to do? It is going to be a defensive lineman. Um, between Ed Oliver and Ed, Ed, Ed Oliver seems like the right pick now that Malik Jackson is gone or surprisingly Dexter Lawrence to fill that Malik Jackson role, which is more of the run stuffer. So, uh, yeah, either one of those guys. What well, leaves you with the lines at eight? Uh, Matt Patricia. How about this? I'm going back to back Iowa tight ends. Wow. I am going TJ Hawkinson because he spent years seeing what Gronk can do. Is an all-around inline tight end. Uh, told some great Gronk stories at the coaches' meeting. I think it's the right move both for the Lions to do and what they are going to do. You left me speechless on that one. but Hey, um, I had to. It happened. Oh, it's just such a uh... – I got to say, I will I will give it up to him. Trey Flowers, you can't be surprised with Patricia there. They bring him in. As much as I hated the signing for, I would say, Donovan Smith, as far as a player that's changing teams, that might be the best signing we've seen in this offseason. Uh, yeah. I don't think Trey Flowers is a, yeah, he's an all-pro. He's going to give you 14, 15 sacks a year. He's not, but he's just going to do everything you ask of him. He is just a player that makes people around him better. He just does. 
He'll do the little things that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet, and it's just infectious. You need that kind of player that people feed off of. And to me, I, I think Trey Flowers is that guy. That's a wonderful signing. Uh, if I had to guess, I'm not quite sure where they go. I think they're still looking along the defensive line. They're probably thinking someone like Gary or someone uh, slides to him. What I think they should do, I'm not sure that Darius Slay is going to be around there much longer. Uh, I think that maybe you start to, especially in a division where the people are throwing as much and slinging the ball around, uh, and maybe it's a little early for a corner because we might not see a corner go off the, the board for the first 20 picks. But I think what I think Detroit really has to start thinking about getting some studs in there uh, at the cornerback position. I think a player like Greedy Williams would be fantastic in Detroit. All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go at number nine with Buffalo. What I think they're going to do, and what the right. I think that maybe this is where Ed Oliver ends up. I think that uh, I'm thinking Jacksonville's a better fit, but ultimately I think he's going in that nine to twelve range. I can definitely see him in Buffalo. So I'm going to say Oliver there. But if I'm going to say what I think they should do, if Oliver's available, I'm, I'm all I'm all over him. I think he's one of the top three talents in this draft. Um, but but again. Kyle Williams and, and trying to uh, replace him, I would say whoever's available uh, at, at the offensive tackle position, I think it's uh, it makes a lot of sense for Buffalo to get a kind of a bookend there, someone you can rely on for eight to ten years. I'm going to agree with you. I think tackle's where they are going to go. I think it's going to be Andre Dillard. Uh, Ooh, wow. That's, yeah, I just – Reading up on a, one of the Buffalo reporters how high they are on that kid. Um, I guess he had that the best 60 shuttle, the 20-yard shuttle that they grade offensive linemen most by, and he dominated that compared to anybody else in the draft. And uh, I guess that's a big metric that the Bills like to use to try to find offensive linemen. Uh, so Andre Dillard just a little undercover. I think he ends up there nine. And I think that would be the right move to make or uh, either Christian Wilkins or Ed Oliver to put beside Jordan Phillips, who will become the run stuffer at the one technique. And uh, the three technique can be either uh, Christian Wilkins or Ed Oliver. And to tell you the truth, I'd prefer Christian Wilkins out of the two. Well, we're going to go one more. So we're doing the top 10 and then maybe a couple other, we'll do just overall for round one, a couple other things you think should happen. But we'll give you number 10 in the Denver Broncos. Your call, buddy. All right. I've spent a lot of time on the Broncos with uh, doing the Hurlbutt huddle. So um, I think they're going to go quarterback. And you know how we feel about that. Yeah. We're not not the ones who want to do that. But uh, I, I have a feeling this is where Daniel Jones goes. And the reason being, Elway seems to have this thing for tall quarterbacks. I don't know what it is. That's what he's been drafting. And Daniel Jones is a six foot six, six foot seven quarterback. So I'm going to go Daniel Jones ten to Denver to sit behind Flacco for a year. Well, I I agree. I've had Drew Locke here forever. I'm still going to go there, but I I can see Jones. It would make a little more sense. I think that. Jones, to me, is the best overall quarterback in this draft class. It makes a lot of – it really uh, hits me hard because you know my feelings on the D word and uh, being a big Tar Heel fan. But um, I think he needs to sit. I think that he is the best person long-term out there, best skill set. But I I don't think you can throw him in. He's a guy that has to sit. But I think you take your time and you're patient with him you're going to get a big return. Uh, I had been calling Locke there forever, and I, oh, just a little bit upset. I was I had Christian Wilkins all nailed up here, and then, you oh, you just started to mention him here at nine. I thought I was going to throw the curveball in there. But to me, I think you've got uh, Chubb. You've got uh, Vaughn Miller. You get a player like Christian Wilkins to put in the, mil, uh, admit it, in the middle, boy, that really just shakes things up there. I, I think that Denver, if they're able to get that, 
kind of pass rushing special. To me, before he was hurt, Jeffrey Simmons, this seemed to be the mm-hmm. perfect thing for him to land. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was tailor-made for Jeffrey Simmons. But uh, I think Christian Wilkins probably, to me, would make the most sense. I would really be excited uh, to put him along the front line, some of those other players we mentioned. But, but I got to agree, it's quarterback. So if you're looking at the rest of the draft, maybe a couple other teams in that 11 to 32, well, we'll give you the Patriots. We know you're a Pats guy. Um, I'll take the Eagles. And if there's a couple other teams or what, maybe who you think are you really looking forward to and, and what you think they're going to be doing. Uh, one of the teams I'm very curious about is the Steelers at 20, whether they're going to try to uh, find they that took another inside one of mine, linebacker. That's good. Uh, whether they go inside linebacker or corner because they haven't been able to hit on corner and the inside backer position with Shazir still not back and maybe never coming back uh, they haven't filled that hole so those are two positions I look for for that team and I wonder if Devin Bush is too small to play in that system and maybe it's Mac Wilson who has played in the you know, that inside backer who can run that twist blitz from the inside. I'm glad you're saying that because, to me, inside linebacker is where they have to go. Mac Wilson, there's some character concerns. Does Devin Bush go that high? And I, I agree with you. I think that inside linebacker is the biggest need. But in the last couple of mocks, we've actually had them with a corner just because at number 20, it's the first corner off the board. And I mm-hmm. think it might be one of those situations – if the, the corner's out there and it works out like that, I think you got to jump on a corner. But at the same time, I'm with you. I, th- I think inside linebacker is the biggest need on that team. Yeah, no, that is it's, – it's a staple of the defense. Just you can go back as far as you want. There's always been that menacing pass? inside backer. How about your pass there at 32? What are you thinking? Uh, I, they're going to go either defensive tackle or tight end. Those are two positions that they've always drafted uh, early or made sure they've been stopped at. Um, I like Pennell pickup from the Jets. I think he's a good run stuffer type guy. Lawrence guy, Adam Butler. Um, another big guy, the Jerry Tillery, who you have in your mock, is the perfect fit for what they're looking for. And I agree. And again, this is similar to the, the Steelers. If one of those tight ends is out there, maybe those top two that you talked of, maybe even Josh Oliver, I've said maybe he's a guy that sneaks into the end of round one. Really, mm-hmm. really like him. Uh, I think tight end might be where, again, people are going to overvalue. They want one of those top prospects. I'm thinking that uh, if all of them are off the board, they're probably going to go. Uh, Jerry Tillery just makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one more team, uh, someone that uh, you're thinking about there. Do do your Eagles. All right, I will do my Eagles. As far as what I think they're going to, I'm, one, I'm not as big on the Jordan Howard trade just because, I mean, I, I think what they gave up for him was good. I mean, they got him for peanuts. So for that aspect, being an Eagle fan, I like it because that's really not a big investment at all. What I don't like is the Eagles just seem to be struggling, not have other than Darren Sproles, who's that running back. And in that system, they really need backs that are our big receiving targets. And part of the reason why you saw Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard fall out of favor in Chicago is he's just not a pass catching running back. So that makes me think a little bit square peg round hole, but at the same time, uh, what they got him for, uh, I would jump on it too because he's a proven commodity and they got him for next to nothing. Now, with that being said, I think the Eagles might still take a running back. I don't think it's going to be in the first round. I don't think the emphasis is going to be there like we thought. Um, it, could be, it could be along the defensive line, uh, but, but again, the cornerback, just because I, think, I don't think it's the biggest need. I think the Eagles need some linebacking help as well. They're very thin there. There's good players. I think looting, losing Jordan Hicks to Arizona, uh, I, I understand why they did it. He's been hard to keep on the field, but he's such a good player when he's out there. I would like to see them take a linebacker. I think Mac Wilson would bring a little bit of an edge that maybe that defense needs. 
But um, in the in the long run, I think because there's going to be so many corners that are available, I think they look secondary. But it's interesting, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware, local kid, mm-hmm. he's getting a lot of run there in Philadelphia, and switched that pick recently. Just because I think that there's a lot of teams, the end of round one, top of round two, going to be looking his way. And Indianapolis kind of likes him as well, which is right behind Philadelphia, that I think maybe they're going there. They're, they're going secondary. Pro, uh, they, they just seem to have a little thing for Nasir Adderley right now. You saw who requested a trade just before we went on, correct? Uh, Duke, John- Duke Johnson. And the Phillies, Phillies, one of the teams in the running for him along with yeah, the Texans. But but he's officially he did not show up today and requested a trade towards through the organization. Yeah, I didn't know that was I mean I knew that that was something and obviously the Emmanuel Ogba situation and that trade went through it has been dominating but that's something we expected did not know that that was definitely a a thing. But yeah, that's kind of a the person I think Philadelphia would be looking for. What, if, if you're an Eagle guy, what, what, what do you think they should be doing? Uh, well, I'd trade for Duke Johnson. Would be a, I'd do that by the end of tonight, and you got him and Howard in there, and you figure out the rest of the way with Sproles and the rest of the guys, Clement and any of the other guys. But um, they seem to always go defensive line. Like, oh, oh, there's a rotation there, and Draymond Jones is a guy who – would fit in nicely as a pass rusher inside and maybe uh, fill a little bit of the void that was left by Michael Bennett. Yeah. I think Malik Jackson is more of a run stuffer. I think you're right. And I do want to put it out there. Another team that I'm really interested in just because of how last season played out the Minnesota Vikings, because there were so many expectations. They take Kirk Cousins the debate has not stopped whether he's worth that giant uh, contract that he was signed to. And, you know, so many people, I think half the people were saying that the, the Vikings were going to win the NFC. It was just mm-hmm. like one of those, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It just didn't happen. It, <clears throat> excuse me. It seems interesting to me now how they do this in a year. There was just so much turmoil on that team at the end of the year. That is a team that just looked lost. They didn't have an identity. They just, where do they go? And for me, I think that's why it's so interesting. I think they're probably going along the offensive line uh, with Brian O'Neill. I think they have someone in tow there that, that kind of worked. Maybe they go along the interior. Um, I can see if there's one guy, and you, you already mentioned him, that I think moves up a little bit that maybe they think won't be there, Dalton Reisner fits perfect in Minnesota. That would be their type yes. of player. I think if they're – one team or one scenario I can see is kind of like a, a curveball that, that hits. It would be Reisner going 18 for Vikings. I think he's their type of player. No, I think that's a good fit in the versatility moving inside and a guy who can kick out if you need him to, uh, if you have injuries. Uh, just guys like that just have unlimited value. So we'll, we'll do our parting thoughts here. If there's one more team you want to take or just one, one thing about the draft, before we do our next podcast, maybe in a week or so, what's the next thing you're looking for, or what's what's to you the the big thing you're looking to have answered here soon? Uh, before the draft, I just want to see some more of these trades. Um, see Cleveland make one. We know another one's coming. And just before the draft, to see what we have for movement for veterans, maybe uh, New England going out and getting a veteran tight end and not drafting the tight end. And I know that the Minnesota Vikings only have $5 million in cap room available and have Kyle Rudolph at 7.65 that they could free up with no dead cap hit. So things like that I'm keeping my eye on. And those uh, draft day trades, that's uh, really what I'm interested in. No, I see that. And another, another thing I, I think, and I'm going to throw it out there because I know quarterback is the glamorous position. We hear about it all the time. But maybe some other teams that we don't think about. Uh, like the Chargers. You don't want Cardale Jones being the heir apparent to Phillip Rivers. Teddy Bridgewater coming back with with New Orleans. Is he really the guy, or are they kind of looking there? I think that there's some some established teams that are going to be starting to think, well, maybe we need our contingency plan. 
Maybe we can get a decent quarterback in the middle rounds that's going to fit in somewhere. A place like Cincinnati, they're going to be moving away from Andy Dalton, I believe, at some point here soon. So do they take someone, maybe someone like a Will Greer that they can get, a Jaron Stidham in the, in, the, in the middle rounds that kind of fit in? I think it might, to me, it's not who's going to move up at the top of the draft and overvalue and kill it with these quarterbacks, the, the teams that seem to do it year in and year out. It's the teams that are going to be smarter. They're going to take someone to sit behind a crafty veteran for two to three years, and then everyone's going to be like, wow, why didn't the, the Dolphins or someone just pick him? Well, because they've had the philosophy all wrong. Uh, while I don't think there's great, great quarterbacks out there, there's capable ones that you sit them behind – you send them behind a Phil Rivers or a situation like that. They're going to be great in two to three years. I, I think we're going to we're going to have one or two of those situations pop up in this draft in the middle in the middle stages. No, I can totally see that. And uh, don't forget, Tyrod is the backup now out in uh, L.A. That's true. So I'm not sure sure how much longer Cardell Jones, but even to sit behind both those guys because. Last year, Mayfield sat behind Tyrod Taylor and said he learned a lot from him as far as being a professional and preparing. So to have two good guys like that, uh, not bad to carry a third guy who's in an active on your game day roster. Well, we've covered a lot today. I think this was a great show. Obviously, we have a few more that are coming up. So as always, I want to thank everyone for, for coming out, listening to the show. We'll be able to uh, and you know bring you a few more, hopefully before draft day. Again, we're 24 days away, buddy. 24 days. Can't wait. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day. And uh, we'll we'll have some cool music here to play you out that uh, Jared always hooks you up with. Have a great evening, everyone.